We thank you for the song service today. Um, it is a, it's a priestly work to work on a song service and lead the church into that. Uh, this uh, morning when the, the singing group was gathered around in prayer, uh, Ray in his prayer mentioned that uh, he wanted the singing to be in that Old Testament form that the people who were leading the worship walked at the head of the army. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to think that um, in God's army, worship is powerful. And worship is a part of what dispels the darkness. And so, uh, Ray and the gang, thank you very much. Uh, it's been, been sweet. Uh, it's been sweet to be here. Am, am I on, more or less? Okay, I almost can't hear myself, so there's no telling what I'm saying. Um, but uh, it's been so sweet to be here with you. Um, and even though uh, circumstances are, are such that we don't run into rolling bear hugs uh, at every moment, it is, uh, it, it's sweet to have our fellowship that is in Christ um, shared together on these Sunday mornings. And I am jealous of the one who will come and be your next preacher. Because I think it's going to be an extraordinary time. Oh, I know, I know. There'll, there'll be some things that might be different. But don't be afraid of different. Being alive is different from being dead. You know, that's one thing we're going to talk about today. Uh, don't be afraid of different. Uh, don't worry about staying in a rut. My dad, who preached for 46 years, 35 minutes at a time, um, said a rut is nothing but a grave with the ends knocked out. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, it is our privilege to gather before you today as people who are dearly loved by the creator of heaven and earth. It is our privilege to gather today to hear a word about Jesus who came in the flesh and lived with us who died and was raised so that we might uh, die to ourselves and be raised to life together. Father, we praise you for these blessings and ask that you'll praise, uh, you accept our praises now and bless these minutes together. In Christ's name, amen. It must have been great being with Jesus. 
Because there was so much going on that you'd just never seen before. I mean, he could walk into Peter's mother-in-law's house and, and, and heal her so that she could get up and start doing stuff. And, and, and you might be with Jesus and inside a house and suddenly people start tearing off the roof without any hail damage. And, and pretty soon, here comes a man you know from town, a man you've seen before, a man that you know can't walk. And, and, and his friends are letting him down. Any of you ever been let down by your friends? You know that feeling? This is different. These friends in faith let him down into the presence of Jesus and you're there and, and the man who was dropped through the ceiling walks out the door. Amazing to be with Jesus. Amazing. The widow at Nain's son had died. Jesus spoils the funeral. Sends the boy home with his mama. Jairus' daughter, not doing very well, not doing very well. And to all the mourners, they knew she was graveyard dead. But to Jesus, dead's only asleep. And pretty soon, the girl who wasn't breathing in her bedroom is swinging on the swing in the front yard. It must have been amazing. To be with Jesus. Lepers went home clean. Not all of them as thankful as they should have been, but they went home clean. Amazing to be with Jesus. Everywhere he went, there was light. Everywhere he went, there was life. Must have been amazing to be with Jesus. Until they killed him. And the one who had been a fountain of life and light is now suddenly dead and buried. And I've wondered what Saturday was like for those who had followed him, for, for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, what Saturday was like for that man at the pool of Bethesda that Jesus said, do you want to get well? And pretty soon he was. The man born blind there in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, why don't you go down to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes and he came back seeing, and there was all that brouhaha. I don't know if you've ever had a brouhaha. I was raised where you weren't supposed to have anything that was brewed. So I've, I've never actually had a brouhaha. But there was this brouhaha about whose sin it was, and was he really healed, and, and all of that. And I wonder what that man who could see thought when his new vision 
was blurred by the tears in his eyes because of the death of the one who healed him. Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night and asked him in his mind that Jesus could understand what must I do to have eternal life? The one who told him about the new birth had died a very familiar Roman death. It seemed as if all of the light and all of the life had gone out of the world. And what these people had witnessed was now just witness to another prophet martyr's death. And the life that he could give the widow at Nain's son, the life he could give Jairus' daughter, the life that he could give Lazarus, it seems like he can't have that life himself. Arise, my love. Arise, my love. Death no longer has a hold on you. Could it be that the death of Jesus is not the end, but is just the prelude to the song of heaven awakening him on that Sunday morning? I don't know how he awoke. I don't know how he awoke. I don't know if he was nudged gently in the half light. I don't know if these angels gathered around and went, wake up! And then nudged each other that says, that's the only time we're going to get to do that. We better take advantage of this. We get to wake him up. Somewhere in that tomb with the stone rolled away. The wind of the Spirit blew. And the Son of God came to life. He didn't come to life all clean and brand new. He came to life with all of his scars and all of his memories. So as the Hebrews writers writes, so he could be the great high priest for us. The one who was flesh and blood, Hebrews 2 says, had to be flesh and blood so he could be the, the savior, the priest for his brothers and sisters. His brothers and sisters who all their life long were held captive by their fear of death. Jesus went to that death enemy. 
and absorbed everything that death could give him. And he lived again. I just love this story. I love it in Mark. I love it in Matthew. I love it in Luke. I love it in John a lot. And I've talked about this. I said something about this last week. John says in John 19 that the, the man who saw this writes this. Eyewitness. And John was an eyewitness to the empty tomb. Even though Peter went in first. John got there first. But I guess John knew that Peter would want to go in first. That's, that's just kind of the way Peter is. I want to walk on the water. Okay. Some of you know people like Peter. Some of you are people like Peter. But they didn't go first. Mary went first. Mary was at the tomb. Mary was at the tomb. It wasn't the good old fisherman boys that were there. First it was Mary. And Mary and, and other ladies had gone to the tomb to fix what the men did. Uh, the men... Uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had taken Jesus down off the cross and, and, and they had, at the end of 19, uh, they had done what they could with spices they had. But you know the women, I'm married to this nice lady. I've been married to this nice lady a long time. We're working on 49, which is, she's an amazing woman. Let's just say that. <laughs> you know, while some may have been debilitated by grief, some of these women were planning what they were going to take. We'll take this spice and this spice and this spice and We'll do it because, because frankly, folks, they'd done this before. Mary had done this before. She'd at least done it with Lazarus, her brother. She'd done this before. Death wasn't handled by the people down at the local funeral home. It was handled by family. It was handled by friends. Death wasn't, wasn't hidden away. It was a part of the public life. They knew what it would take. And she goes with others with bags of spices to try to forestall the indignities of death. And she gets to be the one who goes back and tells the men he's not there. They talk about Mary as the first evangelist. Some people get a little shaky about that when they hear one of the, a woman might be an evangelist. But 
She's the first evangelist. She's the first one to carry the message of the resurrection of Jesus. Back to the guys. They weren't interested in doing the work with the spices. <laughs> that was women's work. But he was raised. And later Jesus will come to Mary and he'll speak to her and, and she will think he's the gardener and she'll say, if you've taken him somewhere, if you'll just tell me where he is, I'll go get him. Imagining yourself and the other women dragging the body of Jesus back to the tomb. Folks, it wasn't going back. It wasn't going back. Soon the Lord Christ is standing among them. Soon the Lord Christ, a week later, will ask Thomas if he wants to stick his fingers into the wounds, scarred into his body. Soon he'll be cooking breakfast by the side of the Sea of Galilee. Soon he will go to heaven. Soon he will send the Holy Spirit. Soon he will reign as the King of heaven and thousands and thousands of people like we are will come to the risen Christ. I love that story. I love that story because Death's real to me. Death's real to me. I've done over 600 funerals in my life. From babies who didn't live till their birth to people who may have been there when the ark docked. There, were, there was some thought that they might have been there. I stood in ICU, ICU after ICU, watching that monitor on the, on the little stainless steel pole show its numbers and its tracing. And I've stood there with the family as that tracing goes to flat and the oxygen saturation goes to flat and the pulse number goes to flat and each one of those when they go flat at the end of it when there's no longer a number or a code there's a question mark there's a question mark and I always think that's that's right for the people who make those things, when those lines go flat, they've got just questions. That's real. That's real. But so is hope. And that hope is the very heart of the good news of Jesus. I love 1 Corinthians 15. Well, do you like 1 Corinthians 14? Well, sure, but I like 1 Corinthians 15 a lot. Because 
Paul says, here's the deal. The, the things that are of first importance in the Christian faith, the gospel. Some people say the heart of the gospel or the core of the gospel. Or that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. He says, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, verse 3, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures, and he appeared. There are eyewitnesses of this resurrection. And when Paul writes this note, when Paul writes this, there are living eyewitnesses of the resurrection and then he appeared to Peter, and then the twelve, and after he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Can you imagine what it was like for the man born blind to hear that the one who was the light of the world was alive? That the man, the pool of Bethesda, who was given the ability to walk, heard that Jesus walked again. For Lazarus to hear that the one who called him come forth had come forth. And based on that reality Something happens in the world that had never happened before. Hope. Hope. Hope embedded in the fact that now in Christ, death has been conquered. We've been singing about that all morning. And the last word from God in this world is life. So that the fellowship of those who knew Jesus was not a fellowship of the mourning, M O U R N I N G, but the fellowship of the mourning, M O R N I N G. It's the resurrection mourning, not the sadness that joins us together now as disciples of Jesus. It's not just the memories of what had happened, but now we have the privilege of talking about the things that will happen. Passing out of death into life because of Jesus Christ. When I was a little boy, um, my folks bought an encyclopedia. And my dad said that he'd pay me $5 for every volume I read of it. And so I was a little boy, I was about 10, and I set about to read the encyclopedia. 
I got to tell you, I know a lot about aardvarks. <laughs> I didn't never read anything about porpoises or zebras. <laughs> but I noticed something when I was reading the encyclopedia. Almost everybody in the encyclopedia was dead. I'd read there and they'd talk about this great guy and then it said, and he died. And there'd be, you know, there's a date and there's a hyphen, there's a date. And some of you have read that poem, you know, living the hyphen. But, but I thought, I'm in real trouble. I've already got a first date. And I've got a hyphen working. And if you've got a first date, and a hyphen working, there's probably another date working, coming at you. So starting when I was nine or ten years old, I got scared of dying. I went, had a weekly reader that talked about how the sun was going to burn out. And it just bothered me. That, and I went in and talked to my mom and dad and said, what do I do? The, the, it says the sun's going to burn out in four billion years. And my dad, being a minister and full of comfort, said, well, son, you'll be dead by then. <laughs> and that gentle touch is what given me my... <laughs> so I ended up writing a master's thesis on the biblical doctrine of life after death. Because it still was in my gizzard. And every now and then, I wake up with feeling a cold chill down my collar. Knowing that I'm closer to whatever that date is than I was when I was 10. But Paul says it right. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, If Christ has not been raised, then those who died are kataluo. Now, I've preached here four weeks and haven't said a Greek word. Aren't you lucky? But kataluo means destroyed. Destroyed. If there's no resurrection, if Jesus is not raised, what was in that opening slide? Nothing matters. Nothing matters because nothing will continue to remember anything that happened here. So last week, my five-year-old grandson said, what's my address? I said, well, you live in Dallas. He said, what's my address? Total address. I said, okay. You live at 12382 Montego Plaza, Dallas, Texas, United States, North America, Western Hemisphere, Earth, Solar System, Milky Way, Universe. These five year olds are relentless. 
And then he said, what's the universe in? I went, ah, already the drumbeat of where am I and what am I doing and how long will it last is beginning in a five-year-old. Why is anybody going to remember your name forever? Because Jesus is raised from the dead. Why is what you do today in the life of someone else going to matter? Because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. The only reason our lives make any difference or any sense is that Jesus is raised from the dead. This morning I put on a suit, basically to just annoy you, but not really. Because this is the end of the sermon. Several years ago, 5.30 in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, I got a call. There had been a terrible wreck out toward Mason. And in that wreck, my dear friend Steve Brothers had been injured and he was in a helicopter being helicoptered into Austin. And their two boys had been injured not quite so much and they were in ambulances heading to Lano. And Alicia had died. Alicia had died. And my older and friend, Jay Haley, and I had to walk into the room where Steve had been put on a bed there in the emergency room. And we had to tell him that Alicia had died. And the next morning I had to tell the boys that their mother had died in that wreck. As we planned the funeral, Steve said, could you just wear yellow? Could you just wear a yellow tie? Because it was her favorite color. And it says something about our hope, our life. So I wore yellow. And there was a lot of yellow. And we all stood together when the bagpipe player at the end of the service came to the center of the auditorium and began playing Amazing Grace as he walked out the back. In a moment of the greatest broken heart, in the moment of the greatest loss, we remember that we are not a community of the dying. We are a community of those who are truly and eternally alive 
in Christ. So we say goodbye often to the best in the world knowing those goodbyes are not final. We welcome new believers into the body of the living as they come up from their death, burial, and resurrection wet and ready for life. It is not just a day to find eggs in the shrubs. It is a day to find hope in the world. And on a day like this, to say if you are not a Christian, if you are not in Christ, if you have not wrapped your life around the cross and resurrection of Jesus, then your life means nothing without that hope. But you could come to Jesus and the crucified and living Christ would wrap his arms around you, wash you in his blood, fill you with his spirit, and give you life in the community of those truly alive. If you would come to Jesus today, come. Let's stand. Let's sing.